the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now I present to you the one, the only Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. We have the incredible Jessica Brace today joining us live from her castle studio, Orlando, Florida. And for those who are wondering who Jessica is, she is a video production business owner. She's a retreat owner. She's worked with Tony Robbins. She is just an overall badass. And we want to know, Jessica, what is the biggest, most badass professional accomplishment you are most proud of? Oh, biggest and badass. Well, besides working for Tony Robbins, I mean, that's like, but I have something way better than that because that was a lot of work. (laughs) Um, So because I worked for Tony Robbins, I got to have some really amazing clients. And I had this client who called me up and said, Hey, I have a house on the beach in the Dominican Republic in Cabarete. And I would like for you to come and stay in the condo next door and work with me on setting up a video studio. So I'm going to fly you down but I want you to stay for a couple of weeks so you can bring your family too. And all expenses paid. So he flies me to Cabarete. We go down there for two weeks. We set up his studio. We're filming his courses and we're doing all this stuff. He forgot to mention when he told me the deal, I already said yes. I'm like, come on, heck yeah, right? My mm-hmm. family gets to come, all this. They provided a nanny. They provided a chef. They provided a housekeeper. I got massages coming to the house twice a week. And I got Jeez. credits at the spa at the resort next door. And, and he was a business coach and success coach. So he was very adamant that we only worked four hours a day on focus. And -hmm. then the other four hours I was paid to pursue something that I love or learn something new. Oh my God. So I took (laughs) fire dancing lessons and trapeze and I learned how to, um, I went and fed monkeys in the jungle. Um, I tried kiteboarding, but that was a whole nother disaster story. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. Mm -hmm. But, you know, amazing. So that was my most badass moment because I got to stay there for, in the end, they kept extending me. So I ended up staying two months and lost like 40 pounds because he he also had like this whole nutrition program that we were filming. And I had a personal chef, so it kind of made it easy. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Two months in the Dominican, everything paid for, everything provided to you. Um, and that's just all through networking and, of course, being good at what you do, it sounds like. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> oh, I need incredible. more of those clients. So if you know anyone to refer to me, I have really great <laughs> rates. <laughs> yes, I bet. I bet. So so tell us, how the heck do you go from you know growing up in a small town off of uh, Massachusetts to <laughs> all of a sudden being an all-expense-paid-for resort experience in Dominican Republic? Tell us more about that journey. Yeah, wild, wild journey, actually. I mean, I went, you know, I grew up, like you said, in a small town. I grew up in Provincetown, which is tip of the Cape. It's a little tiny sand spit of an island in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, that's very touristy. So like a million people come there in the summer and like 2000 people live, live there year round. So it's pretty desolate and isolated. And then I actually went to nursing school, believe it or not, a whole mm. like field of something else didn't work out, started a website design company in 99 before there was even Google search, I had to advertise my website design company in the yellow pages to get new clients. So it was like ancient dinosaur internet stuff. And then, you know, ran my business really well, 
ended up somehow at the suggestion of a friend at a Tony Robbins event and loved it. Absolutely loved the experience, fire walking and in the environment and everything. And had like this major breakthrough at the Tony Robbins thing about what your fears are and you're holding you back because we had been trying to have a baby for five years. And I realized that I had this deep fear of being a bad parent or that I was not going to do well. So that was holding me back. So literally after my first firewalk, we were expecting a baby like two months later. It was that like flipped a switch in me from like personal development. I want more. This is amazing. You know, I didn't know like your past does not dictate your future. Like all of those things was like new to me in this concept. So I was just like hungry for so much more. And like a year and a half later, when the baby was a little older, I went back as a volunteer for Tony Robbins. And my very first time volunteering, they offered me a position as an assistant backstage to Tony and his wife, which was amazing. Spent six years traveling all over the United States, working with Tony and his wife directly, managing events. I got to see everyone backstage, all of the different speakers, been to every single one of his programs multiple, multiple times. Completely life-changing from a peer perspective, as well as a business perspective, as well as a personal perspective. I mean, it was just like everything just transformed again and again and again and again. So wild times. And then here I am teaching video and living in a castle in Orlando next to that other castle. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that is so cool. And, um, you know, for those other people who are tuning in and might come from small towns, you know, Tony Robbins is literally, I think he is the biggest personal development, quote unquote, he, said, he says he's not a guru, but we'll, we'll call him guru in this case, um, yeah. <laughs> in the world. You know, a lot of people say, oh, small town, sometimes small town mindset. Like, how did you get into the mindset that it's okay to be successful and to thrive and to work with literally the best of the best after coming from a small town of 2,000 people? Like, tell us more about what that mental jump looks like. You know, it's really interesting because it was never, I mean, I grew up as a kid and people would say like, oh, you can't do that. And then my natural inclination would be like, why not? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was just the way I was. Like when I was five years old, I started selling seashells to the tourists and that was my first business. And I made like two to $300 a day (laughs) selling seashells. And my, my shells were only a quarter, but people Mm -hmm. were like, Oh, you're so cute. Here's 20 bucks for college. And they'd hand me like dollar bills and tell me to keep the shell and sell it to someone else. Like, so like I had this inventory and like this whole amazing experience really young. So I think it was just personality a lot of like never really taking no for an answer. If I saw something or wanted something or something was of interest to me, I would just like go for it and not really worry about, you know, like, Hey, that's not going to work out or what if, or whatever, you'll just figure it out when you get there. So I think that really was what brought it in with Tony. Like I got hired because someone actually had the job when I was there. And I was like, third in line of like the assistant to the assistant to the assistant wow to the assistant (laughs) when i first volunteered which basically meant i had nothing to do but sit there on standby um and you know i kept saying i had this vision and i created this vision board that said i'm going to work for tony robbins someday i really want to be in this environment i really want to help people and i want to transform and i created this whole vision board process and put it up on my wall and within two weeks i actually had the job working for tony like of creating this vision board. So it was like totally wild in how that transpired. It was really just being like, 
not even how can I make it happen, but just living in, I see this and this is what I want and seeing it as done like in my head and creating it and just like living in it as it was already done. So like when the opportunity came about and they're like, oh, so-and-so has been, they don't say fired in the Tony (laughs) Robbins world. You Mm -hmm. get repurposed to something that matches your unique abilities. (laughs) I I like that phrase. When they explained that to me about my supervisor, I was like, I didn't really understand what they meant, but I I get it now. So Mm -hmm. he was repurposed somewhere else um, within the company for that event. And they brought me in and was like, you know, hey, we need someone here. We need someone here right now. And it was, I'm going to do whatever it takes. This is my opportunity. This is my chance. So it was really looking at it from, if this is what I really want, I'm going to make it work in different ways. So if someone said, hey, do this, I was like, I'll figure it out. And I think that really is, as an entrepreneur, you have that spirit in you of just figuring it out. Like there's a challenge, there's a situation, you know, it's in your personality as an entrepreneur to be like, hey, I see something and I can make it better or fix it or correct it or, you know, in an easier way to get it done. I, that's just like the true heart of entrepreneurship, I think. So what well, and I, I love that too, because it sounds like you weren't an entrepreneur. But, well, obviously you could say, oh, a five-year-old, I was an entrepreneur, but let's say between five and working with Tony Robbins, you weren't a full-time entrepreneur before working with Tony Robbins, right? Um, I was, but it was different. I was an introverted website designer who sat at home gotcha. and I didn't even do sales or public speaking or anything like that. The way that I got my leads is I built relationships with my clients and they would refer me. Mm. So I ran a business for over 10 years doing website design and we just, I just had referrals. Like I literally just closed that company after 23 years and had to call up people that I've had and maintain their website for 23 years and let them know that, you know, I was done working on websites and something else that happened like a couple weeks ago. So it was just, you know, and they've constantly referred me new clients for two decades now. That so is going very from, impressive. Yeah. yeah, going from like introvert at home, never going out to like on stage in front of 6,000 people is, is a big shift. Yes. And, and I know that's also like people forget, um, you know, a lot of people are in service industries or, or product industry, like getting a referral is a, is a very big deal and to get consistent referrals and to have clients uh, not just refer you, but also keep paying you, coming back to you. What would you say to people who want to improve their skill set when it comes to that, of being so good that people want to keep coming back to you or being so good that people refer you? I think being so good really is about getting to know your client and being personal, like getting to know them on the level of like, hey, it's their birthday, like know when their birthday is. It's like simple Mm -hmm. little things like that or just connecting with them and, you know, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. What's up? How's it going? Like creating a system for that because they're people. They're not like a lot of times people are like, oh, there's numbers and I have to hit my sales goal and my numbers and my numbers, but you forget about the people. And the other thing too, is that when it comes to referrals, a lot of times entrepreneurs never ask. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, like I had a very fancy sales coach years ago when I first started speaking and creating online products and things. And he told me, even if the client says no on the sales call, it doesn't mean no, it just means not now. It also doesn't mean that they don't know someone who could use your services now. So ask. So even you're on a sales call and someone says, no, it's not for me right now. I'm not interested in this product. Be like, well, hey, do you know anyone, you know, who maybe could find this useful and valuable? You know, I have a referral fee or we have a a system. And 
that actually brings a lot of clients for me in that way. So it creates the cycle. It opens up the, the brain to think about, hey, you know what? It didn't work for me, but she's pretty awesome. And I think she could help my friend or someone that I know. Well, and it sounds like you were able to do a full-time business with just a few clients. Like you weren't managing dozens or hundreds of people, were you? No, no. I've always <laughs> maintained and had this vision that I just wanted the freedom to travel and do different things. So I've always positioned myself that it was something really simple. Actually, right now is the first time in my business that I have a full-time executive assistant and a VA. Ever. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> very exciting. Nice. Yeah. So making shifts. But it, and um, so you're doing website stuff. You heard about this Tony Robbins. You're like, what, what's the Tony Robbins thing? You did a firewalk, changed your life, not just professionally, but personally. I don't know. You told me a story too about, um, I like how you, it sounds like you've always had this, this tenacity about you that like, I'm going to get it done. Um, you can't tell me no, you can't yeah. tell me crap. Like I'm going to make it happen. Tell us about when you're able to have, I think you said an 80K week at one point. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the best I did was 36,000 or 56,000. Sorry, 36 was my best. And then I broke that record with 56 in a day, which was wow. an hour on stage. And that's actually a really funny story because people were like, you need to write a book. It's your calling card and all of that. So I had an idea for a book. And then I also knew that I was going to Las Vegas to speak in front of like 3,000 people. Um, at a business conference. So Mm -hmm. I was like, hmm. And they were like, we have to have a low ticket offer to begin with. And then you can do a higher ticket offer. And that was kind of the rules of this event. So I was like, oh, what can I do for uh, $97? And I'm like, oh, I'll sell my book. But I didn't even start writing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. So like, talk about put your feet under the fire, right? So Mm -hmm. I go up on stage and I put a package together like, hey, I have a series of short videos about YouTube marketing that you can have right now. And I'm writing this book and here's what it's going to be about. And it's going to be ready in 90 days and we'll ship it to you. And so here's the $97. So that was just like, (laughs) wow. Mm -hmm. And you know, it was just really a really good lesson of like proof proof of concept of like, Hey, I have this idea and you know what you can do. You don't have to spend months and months and months before you ask people for the sale or maybe you ask people for the sale and they say no and then it's like okay i need to figure out something that works better or you ask people for the sale and it like in the case of that book it went like wildfire <laughs> yeah no that's so awesome too like like the, the, talking about preparation meeting opportunity um and going back to like what you said too and obviously you know youtube marketing i'm sure was a very hot topic when you were given that um presentation at the event and it's still a very hot topic that uh, youtube yeah. is the biggest search engine in the world and uh it's definitely super cool that like you said too like sometimes you do need to put as they say the cart before the horse that you know you're not going to write a book unless you promise <laughs> literally thousands of people that that book's going to be written it sounds like yeah, I kind of put a fire under my feet. Like, ooh, I just sold a whole lot of copies of this book. I better write it. <laughs> yes. It, <laughs> I better and, get it done. And was that self-published or published? or? Yeah, it was self-published on Amazon. So the Amazon wow. bestseller. That was kind of like back when Amazon bestseller like was first starting, when you got mm-hmm. the badge and, and all that good stuff. Oh, that, that's awesome. And, and so tell us more about working with Tony Robbins and what you learned and curious more about, about that experience as well. Yeah, I mean, I learned everything 
you know, Tony has, Tony is not just like business, it's personal development, it's nutrition, it's exercise. It's like everything that he talks about from all of his programs, relationships and all of that. So I think the most impactful in my business was definitely the mindset part of it. Like you can do this and structuring myself in ways. And I'll be honest, some of his stuff I bought and didn't get it done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I bought his planner and his little RPM and attended all the training for it. And then it, for me and the way that I like to create, it was like extremely overwhelming. And I went to his health event and wheatgrass and enemas just wasn't my daily mojo. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I think the mindset stuff was amazing and energy. You know, Tony has a whole team of healers and energy workers and people that are his support team for him so that he stays in his peak state for what he does. So I got to witness a lot of different things. And that kind of is what inspired me really to start with video and the work that I do around that because it wasn't just mindset. It wasn't just the strategic, the steps or the practices of it. It was also about learning to control your state and your energy and maintaining that while you're doing video. So from him and learning that is what fascinated me. Everything from like, what does he do to maintain his state before he goes on stage? What does he do to maintain his state when he's mad? What does he do when he maintains his state when, you know, he needs to plan out his business or a huge situation comes up in his business? He's created all these rituals Mm -hmm. and things that he does to keep his brain prime so that he can continue on being at his best. And so observing that from him But then it was really interesting because it wasn't just Tony that I was working with backstage. It was every celebrity. It was every VIP. It was all the speakers and all the people that are part of his company. And they all had their own individual rituals and routines that they did to maintain their energy and their state. So I got to witness and observe like a huge wide variety of things and kind of pick and choose which ones worked for me and the way that I learned. So it was pretty awesome. Like Oprah and... One year, I forgot the guy's name, but he was like the guy who won like the cage fighting championship in the world. Like, and I was like actually scared because <laughs> oh, I, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, he's going to be backstage. He's probably like this aggressive, like crazy kind of boss me around. Like I had this whole like stereotype and he was one of the nicest, most grounded, focused people that I had backstage in six years. He was so awesome. He was very like into how to win and how to balance his energy around that. So it was really incredible. And yeah, so that that's very fascinating. Like, like people always forget what happens behind the scenes in order to create in front of the scenes or to be the scene, I, I should say. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it, it's fascinating to hear like the rituals people go through. Um, and I think people forget too. So you, so you mentioned like, you know, you hear people like they have a, a, what's the word, the uh, mindset coach, they have a fitness coach, they have a nutritionist. So tell us all the coaches that Tony had, and then how that inspired you. Do you how many coaches do you have? I'm curious about that. Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in in the past and present, it's actually interesting. So um, wow, I have for coaches right now, well, I'll start with Tony first, because he has, you know, he has his own business coach. And then he sets up like groups, pods of people that he feels are at his level in communication with him. So he is so super supported. And then he has a whole team of healers for his Mm -hmm. body and his energy, like massage and internet and all of these things. So it's really awesome 
to see how he structures. And not only that, he not only has coaches and masterminds, he has support people. Like one of my jobs was to prepare all of his food and Hmm. the things that he needed. So it was like, okay, you know, he's been a while. He hasn't had enough water. He needs some coconut for electrolytes or he needs a green smoothie or so he has someone who prepares all his clothes. So he kind of follows along with like keeping his state and his focus and like everyday stuff. There are people to handle. So it was amazing to see he has like a house manager and then he has a business manager and then he has, you know, people that manage, like I don't know, what does he have like 28 businesses or something now? Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 So he has someone who manages all of that and then he filters down into who speaks to him so that it's not like everybody all at once. And he's very structured with his schedule. And he, one of the things that I learned about energy management is that he creates routines. So when he's on stage, it's the same shoes and the same shirt and the same routine. When the room is set up backstage, it's the same at every event, no matter where we are in the world, so that Mm. his brain doesn't have to think about what's different, what's changing. His brain just goes, oh yeah, I see those shoes and those, that shirt. It's time to go talk about Polo Ernie. I'm going to go on stage and talk about that. So he has like built his life in a structure so that he can always stay peak. So that was like really cool because before I was like all over the place, like, oh, I'll wake up this time or that time or, and I didn't really have structure. And then I've tried many times to like go away from structure just because I'm a rebel. Yes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I find that my productivity goes down. So it's all, you know, creating rituals and that. So I think it's two parts with him in that he has a whole team of all different things for support. And then he also has structures and rituals that he does for myself. I have a business coach. Mm -hmm. I have a dating and relationship coach. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a pleasure coach. (laughs) How's that different than the dating and relationship? coach? Very different. Very, very different. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I have a, I don't have a business coach at the moment per se, because I'm in a group of masterminds of people and we all kind of work to coach each other. It's like a reciprocal environment, but I guess that really is coaching in that way. Cause I feel super supported by everyone in the group, but I also give out my coaching as well. So that's a little bit different, but I think it still applies as coaching. No, hundred percent. Yep. And I have a, a fitness coach. So I recently lost 44 pounds. Um, with her, you probably know Carrie. She was at Podfest. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carrie's a rock star. <laughs> oh, Carrie's your fitness coach. Yes. Yeah. Oh, congratulations! That is awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so you said uh, you're in a business mastermind, which serves as your business coach. You said you have a dating coach, a pleasure coach, a fitness coach. And what was the other one you mentioned? Oh, I also have a an energetic healing coach. So I'm in a program right now to learn and to expand on my energetic healing modalities that I practice. What's the sequence of coaches that you think, well, maybe you said imagine the person, but maybe you do have a broad answer that uh, people should get as they grow personally and professionally. Like, Mm. does everyone need to start off with a mindset coach? Then they can get a fitness coach. Then they can get a dating coach. Like, would you say there's a sequence to which coaches in which order people should get? So it's really interesting because um, I really think it's it's an individual process on where you're at. Like five years ago, like I had a business coach and I was constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing my business so hard. I mean, best in the world. I was traveling with Tony and all his people and everything. 
And, um, but my business wasn't growing. It would shrink and then it would go back, but I wasn't ever getting past that one bar. It was like, there was just one line that I just could not pass with my business. And, um, I had a situation come up in my life where my husband that I had for 18 years, the father of my children took his own life. Mm -hmm. Um, and in that process, I lost my business and my home and found myself going from a multiple six figure business to homeless in severe, like situation overnight. Yeah. And so what happened is, is I kind of shut down my business at that point And I started doing just pure personal. That's where the relationship coach came in. That's where all of these different things came in. And then when I kind of felt in the space of moving through and that my personal was better, then that's when my business started to grow again. So for me in that journey, it was like, I was like, trying to force the business before my personal state was actually in a place where I could support the business at the level I was trying to take it to. Does that make sense? That, yeah, I know that, that that's, that's fascinating. And, um, and so I feel a question too, is like, you know, obviously you said everyone's on their own journey and it's interesting finding the right coach for you. Do you wish that you had switched coaches after the first year? Cause they didn't help you get past your first milestone you think it was all your fault obviously you know the coaching industry is so mass so large so many options all these promises all these methods all these secrets Um, (laughs) so so how do you know how to approach it and go about it to know you're with the right coach for what you need at that that time in your life yeah from where i am now if i could hop in a hot tub time machine and go back to like then when i first started hiring coaches It was for me, I was trying to force myself to fit into someone else's box. So it was like, you're supposed to, or you should do, you know, like heavy funnels, or you should focus on this, or you should. And it was like these checklists and SOPs and processes and all of these things. And it was like out of a box. Like everything needed to be structured in the same. So I kept going for coaches with that because those were the coaches that were making all this money. And then I would struggle and because it wasn't a fit for me. So it took me until like the last couple of years to realize that I was hiring people and trying to follow their systems that weren't systems that were made the way that I like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started looking for people who were more energetic in in the flow and less about systems and sales and process, my business changed dramatically from me struggling and like gritting my teeth and like, oh, another coaching session. Oh, what are they going to make me do? You know, and I was coming at it from they were making me do it because, or I was paying all this money so I should do it, even mm-hmm. though internally it never felt aligned with what I was doing. It just was like my gut was telling me all the time, you know, this funnel thing, upsell, downsell, OTO, la, 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 all of that was so complicated. Yeah. Like, I just want to help people. And you can make a lot of money just helping people and just being your true you without having all the complicated stuff. So when I let go of that and just made it simple, really, and just followed what felt right for me was, was a really big shift. And that's interesting. You mentioned that you let go of it. That did you have to hire a new coach to help you let go, or you just kind of just listen to your own self one day and say, "Well, I just kind of take my own life by the horns." Essentially, yeah. The business 
shift in my business came when I shifted my personal. It all came together because it's it's all of it. Like, for example, um, with my pleasure coach, she teaches um, this system called the erotic blueprints. And Leah Newman is amazing. And she teaches this whole system of you have all of these personalities um, that are your erotic blueprints, but it's your pleasure. So human nature, we're going to go for pleasure. We're going to go for something that's good instead of something that's painful. Unless, you know, um, there are people who don't, but generally, (laughs) no, people are going to go for like what feels good and the pleasure in it. So when I say that she's a pleasure coach, you know, she leads with the erotic blueprints. But when you get into her coaching and you actually learn that you have all of these personalities that are looking for pleasure that are needed to be filled with this pleasure. And those personalities actually reflect on everything in your life, like how you treat yourself, how you treat your friends, how you run your business for all of that. Like for me, I'm not an out of the box person. So I like to break rules. Mm -hmm. So that comes through like it's really fun to ride roller coasters for that thrill seeker. And, you know, that's one of the things that I do, but that's also how I manage my business in that there's a part of me that's a thrill seeker and likes the new, the figuring it out, the creativity of it. Um, So when I started looking at all areas of my life and really figuring out from personal development work who I was and what were the things that lit me up, what did I want in my business? Did I, where in my business was I not being lit up and where in my business was I being lit up and how can I clean that up? So that's really where my whole entire business just shifted and changed. And, you know, we created a castle and retreats and all kinds of new programs in the way that we teach video marketing has completely shifted. No, I, I love that. And yeah, let's get into your, your video marketing business. So tell us, yeah, what do people need to know more about when it comes to video repurposing and, and video marketing? Yeah, so it, it's interesting because... People always come to me like, I just had a post yesterday where someone commented and they're like, I just went back and counted all of the lives that I did in the last couple of years. And I've done over 250 lives. And the Facebook memory came up of when you coached me to do my first live and you made me feel so confident and you really helped me to see the value in what I was saying and that I could bring that on camera and that I could do this. And I was like, wow, I'm like, that's really interesting because I worked with her like maybe seven years ago. Oh, mm-hmm. And so it was like, you know, her coming back and telling me that yesterday, it just really confirmed, you know, for where I'm at today and that I teach video a little bit differently. Like I know the SEO and the research and the technical of it all, but the technical isn't what's going to get you sold. Mm-hmm on video, like you're not going to connect that video is really this energy connection. So I really work with people now through my own travels of having to overcome PTSD and anxiety and all these things in my life, learning how to calm my nervous system. So I get to a point where I can just jump on camera and be like, Hey, that's awesome. You know, here I am all of me and I, you know, don't have any fear. And so that really is a bigger part of what we do now and why we built the castle. So the castle really was a vision that I had like 11 years ago where we could create a, a broadcast beacon for people who had mess for messengers. So a lot mm-hmm. of people are like, Oh, you're the messenger's messenger. And they've kind of named me that with my clients. And it was really about just creating a space where people could come and kind of just chill and learn to relax when they're on camera because the first few times that you do it, or maybe the first hundred times, 
you kind of, it's a new muscle and all of that. So we've really restructured all of our programs now that we start with mindset first before strategy. So it's a little bit different than what other people have been doing because everyone's like hardcore, like, oh, it's YouTube and there's this and that. But I think that for me, it felt like a disservice because people would come to me and they would ask me, oh, I didn't want to set up my YouTube channel. And they would pay me and go through my program and they would create all these videos and then they weren't getting results from the videos. And then they would quit and be like, YouTube sucks. I hate video. I wasted all my time. It didn't work out. Or they wouldn't even finish or launch their YouTube. And I kept seeing it again and again and again. And then when I went back, it was like they never really got to the point where they were comfortable mm. on camera and comfortable with what it was that they were offering and comfortable with who they were actually speaking to. So we just revamped all of our video programs now to start there, start at, at home base first. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, you know, going back to, yeah, I guess you could apply it to any skill. For some reason, I think of baseball where if you're like, I want to be a great baseball player, but if you can't figure out the skill set of how to handle pressure or how to handle natural instincts or how to handle like like the fear of a ball coming at you 100 miles an hour like <laughs> you're not gonna be able to swing at that ball right thing right. um and, and so i like that that yeah, you could teach techniques and skill sets and all day but until you help them get in the uh mindset of comfortability and you know i've, I've been taking a couple of courses recently as well and it's interesting to hear that like um i'm talking to some seven figure colleagues and they're saying becoming rich is 90 to 95 percent mindset and five to ten percent skill Okay. Um, yeah. and, and so when I heard that, that's kind of like blew my own mind. Cause I'm like, well, you don't need a good mindset to run a, uh, gas station. And then I'm like, well, I guess the gas station is running a business too. And so <laughs> you gotta, yeah, mindset really does matter. I think people forget that. And, and, uh, but of course you can't really say that off the bat or do you lead with that in your programs? Um, I do now. I really start with, and, and it came from an interesting experience where someone came and they owned a marketing company and they're like, hey, we're doing this thing where we're reaching out and we're filling up these um, dinner parties, these virtual dinner parties. And so, you know, people would come and it was like a networking thing. And they were like, we'll do all the marketing and we'll fill your things. And it was working really, really well. And then what happened was these entrepreneurs were coming in. And they were willing to pay me. Like I'm on the sales calls with them and they're willing to give me their credit card because they want YouTube and they heard that video is hot and they want to get going. And then I'm like, well, who do you serve? I don't know. You yeah. know, well, what's your product? Well, I'm still working that out. It was kind of like they're at, like all these entrepreneurs were so on like video, video, video is the greatest thing. I need to know what it is and all of that. And then they're putting the cart before the horse because they weren't really clear on who they were serving, who they were talking to, and what language to use to talk to them. And then we add in that they're uncomfortable and they're uncomfortable on camera because they don't know those three things. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like a crazy eight that was created where it's like YouTube, YouTube, you must do YouTube, you must do video, you must go live every day for 90 days, all these challenges and all this stuff, muscle through and all these things. Great. But until you have that solid in your subconscious that I know who I'm talking to, I know what I'm offering and it's not going to feel good to be on camera. It's just not. And that carries through with everything in your business. So that's why we, we restructured in a different way. And actually the first level of our whole program is free, is going to be free in my Facebook group because I feel that it's a disservice for all of these people to be entrepreneurs and not have that base of knowing 
what it is that they're offering and who they're serving. So we're going to be offering that whole workshop for free. I love that. That, that makes sense. And tell us again, like the, the evolution of this um, video production business and and things like that. I'm curious, uh, like, has <laughs> it exploded right away or has it been a slow buildup or has it been a rapid buildup? I'm curious about that. Um, it's really interesting. So the road to the castle was was long. Yeah. <laughs> so when I made a decision years ago, um, you said 11 years ago, you 11 years this. ago, wow. I did. <laughs> I dreamt of building a studio where people could come and I was at a Tony Robbins event and I was like, YouTube came out and I wrote the book and everything. And I got to actually teach YouTube marketing at Tony Robbins business mastery. And mm. so from that, you know, my whole YouTube kind of exploded. I was speaking, I was traveling all of these things, te- courses and programs and all of that. And one of my friends said to me, you know, what's the thing that aggravates you the most about your business? And I was like, people are afraid to be on camera. So that she's like, well, then you must. She's like, if Mm -hmm. it agitates you, then you must figure that out and solve that and help people with that. And I was like, oh, wise advice. So I built a studio in Sebastian, Florida, in my home. We actually built an addition on my home. And then we were just so remote. And I think that video was so new that I was ahead of the time for that studio and for what we were trying to create. So that went away. And then I did remote studios for years where we'd rent Airbnbs or hotels and I would set up a studio there and we'd lug all the equipment and carry everything and set it all up temporarily and do retreats for the weekends with clients and teach courses and all that. That was a heck of a lot of work to carry around all that equipment all the time. Um, It was a really big job. So right before COVID, I actually built a second studio inside an office depot. Hmm. Um, there's an office depot here in Orlando and they have a co-working space. So I actually worked with them and we built this whole studio and then COVID happened. <laughs> Nobody wanted yeah. to come to the studio. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. So um, that was kind of the end of that. So I've had this vision for 11 years and then COVID, you know, everybody just kind of shut down and I was like, well, what can we do? Everything's online. People are online. And it just came really strong to me about, you know, let's revisit building this studio again. And so one day I get this letter that my rent was 1465 here in Orlando for this tiny little thousand square foot place. And um, it was going from 1465 to 2400. And then that was only a year lease. And then they said that they were going to be doing some remodeling to a luxury resort. So the rent was going to go up again after 12 months, but they didn't know by how much. And I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't like New York or Boston or something. Yeah. I'm like, what are you charging $2,400 a month for a thousand square feet? I'm like, that's crazy. So I started looking and it was really just this whole divine, like wild journey where we found this place and I walked in and I was like, wow, this is like my old house in Sebastian. We could do small day retreats here. It's got the space. It's got the everything. We put an offer in. And we didn't get it. We were second choice. And the first choice people paid the deposit. So we lost. And I cried because I was like, oh, I'm so fired up to start creating this space again for people to gather. And then I found another place and it was cool, but it was like not like totally lit up Mm -hmm. because it required a lot of work in order for what my vision was. Um, But the price was right. So when I went to meet the guy, I literally had $9,000 in, in cashier's checks in my pocket to pay for the transaction. He's like, oh, I forgot the lease, but I'll bring it by tomorrow. And that kind of tipped me off like, mm, what? Big red flag. Yeah. <laughs> so then I got a little worried. The guy ended up, he broke into the house 
and was trying to rent it on the internet and actually had nothing to do with the house. So I almost like intuition, woo, I almost lost nine grand that day. <laughs> yeah, geez. Oh <laughs> so now God. I'm devastated, like crying. Like I feel like my idea and why do I keep having this vision and it's not working out and like just total gut punch kind of moment. And I'm driving home and I went to put my phone on the mag holder in the car and it fell on the floor and I reached down to pick it up and here's this house this castle and it's this eight bedroom, six bath, beautiful home. Wait, wait, um, wait. You're driving along. You have to stop the car to pick up your phone. And when you look up, you see this house right in front of you. No, the it came up on the phone as a notification from Zillow. Oh, it like okay. rolled up on the screen and I'm like gotcha. looking at it as I'm stopped at a red light. Like, Hmm. I'm like, look at this. And then I'm scrolling and then I get to the garage was converted to a movie theater. And had like movie theater seats and a riser and this whole thing. And I'm like, wow, that's my house. And I'm so excited. And I look at the price and it's like three grand. And I'm like, oh, that's a scam. They're going to steal my money again. They don't rent that house like in the market in Orlando. That house is like five to eight thousand yeah. a month. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So I called someone up who I knew was a real estate agent and we were connected on Facebook. But I knew she was a real estate agent in Orlando and I met her at a Tony Robbins event like seven or eight years ago, but we had never connected beyond just Facebook, like likes and comments and stuff. So I called her up, sent her the link and I'm like, is this legit? I almost got scammed last week, but this house is amazing. Like, look, this is so perfect. And she's like, let me check. She calls me back and she said, meet me there at nine tomorrow. I have the code. We're going to go look at this house. And she's like, it's legit. They can't rent it because they don't want roommates. And, you know, there's eight bedrooms. So like, yeah. they don't want roommates and every family that's come to look at it, it's been for rent for months. Every family that's come to look at it, it leaves and doesn't like it because the garage has been converted to a movie theater um, and they need storage and they need a place to park their cars. And yeah. I'm like, that's exactly why I want this house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he came over, we did the tour. I walked through and it was like, I'm home. Like this house, the, the vision of like what we were going to create and where and what was going to happen here was just there. And she, the real estate agent was so excited about it that she donated her commission for my first month's rent. Oh, oh my God. Because she wow. was like, this house is meant for you and your big vision of what you want to do. And here I am, you know, I'm here in this castle. We're running events. We just ran our biggest event yet a couple of weeks ago, which was a live stream. They had about 500 people live across the world and they live streamed for 12 hours a day for three days straight. Uh, we had a whole team of people in the house that flew in from all over the country for AV, for Ecamm, for Zoom, for makeup, for like, I mean, this was wow. like a whole production and it was amazing. Like I cried when it was over. I cried because it was just like, I dreamed about this for so long to create a space where people could come and feel like they're at home, but yet still get their videos done professionally and feel comfortable doing it. And that's when they expressed to me at the end of the event, um, the client said to me, we've been doing this event for many years in many different ways. And this is the first time that the event ends and I'm not exhausted. Wow. That's so like, awesome. I feel <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's incredible. And I think it's a testament to you, Jessica, as well, to the environment you created and just like knowing Obviously, Tony Robbins figured out how to uh, not be exhausted when he does. I don't know what the <laughs> yeah. looks like, like 14-hour days, five days in a row or something like that. 
it's uh, that's super awesome and and i love the story too how you keep talking about this like you have a vision board vision board of like you want to work for Tony robbins boom made it happen and then yeah. you had a vision of this retreat center but can you differentiate when you have a vision board versus just a vision and i'm curious and, and maybe you go back to how to time machine you wish that once you had this business retreat center you would start putting random pictures of the mansions on the vision board so, so the question is how do you differentiate between a vision and not trying to put it on a vision board versus using the vision board for things so it's really interesting like the way that i was taught to do vision boards is pretty specific and it was something that I learned from someone who's one of the head trainers for Tony Robbins, and she teaches that particular vision board process. Um, so she does it with nine squares in the Bagua, like um, feng shui. And so her vision board is like super specific. So I have that practice where I do, you know, once a year and I update it and I actually do them when I'm doing a launch. I actually do a mini version of that. Like every time we have a new product or something, I do smaller, really simple ones. And then the thing with the vision board is, is, is I create it and then it gets put away because it's creating it in your head. With the castle, I didn't actually do a vision board um, the past 11 years. It was just this nudge that kept coming up. Like, this is what you should be doing. Wash, that would be really fun to create this space where entrepreneurs can come and gather and support each other and they can create great content and broadcast it out to the world. I didn't know anything about video production, cameras, equipment, all these things, you know, but... I found people who did and that could help me with that. So it wasn't the vision of the how. And I think mm. that's where people get stuck because the how is enormous. Sometimes if you have a big, huge vision, that how can be overwhelming. So I don't think about that. I kind of put it away and I just really feel into, Hey, this is what I want to do. And this is how I see it in the end. Um, guide me like, follow me through like how I can get there. So I just keep following those nudges of like, let's create it. And you know, like with the studio, it failed twice, mm -hmm. um, fail forward. Like I learned both times, you know, what worked and what didn't and all of that. And then when the opportunity just came for this castle, I went for it, you know, in like a really bold way because it, the nudge was there and I don't know, you know, where's it going to take me from there? I have a vision of having 12 of these all over the world. Wow. in different places and people can go like airbnbs like a video studio airbnb and check in and out and like really cool places that's a really big like how am i going to do that mm -hmm. but if you back it up like i'm going to back it up to well what if i create one castle cool well how am i going to do that okay not too much detail here i am in the house i have the studio let's see what's next like just letting it like i guess um my partner george says all the time just let the mystery unfold Mm -hmm. yeah. Just hold your vision and let the mystery unfold. And I think that for me is my newest, greatest favorite skill. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it's not unfold. stressful or, you know, there's no anxiety of like, well, what if, what if it fails? Or, you know, like right now we had pretty significant hurricane damage in the castle and I had to unexpectedly put things on pause while we get new walls and a new roof. But it's amazing because. I'm here. I'm here right now and just letting the mystery unfold. So, you know, it's a pause. Like someone said to me the other day, oh, are you going to quit the castle now because you can't, you know, work for the next few weeks while they're going to be doing that? And I'm like, no, I'm like, that gives me a few weeks to regroup and come back 10 times stronger. Yeah, I'm like, seriously. you know what? I got to pause from painting walls and decorating and, and doing that. And I'm just going to look at, you know, how can I create even more? 
in the future. So I think that holding your vision no matter what is the key. And going back to what you said earlier, um, I'm not familiar with these words. You said feng shui and, and bagui. The... Oh, feng, feng shui. So feng shui is the energy of how you place things in your home. That's right. Um, it's mm-hmm. ancient Chinese art of like, you know, you should have water or crystals or you should have a blue bathroom. I mean, there's like all these like ways that the Chinese figured out about the energy of your home and how to make it flow for prosperity and good health um, and calmness. So it's like a legit practice. So Lauren Lahav is my mentor for vision boards, and she actually created this whole process of creating your vision board based on feng shui, and mm-hmm. it's called the bagua. So it's nine squares. It's the nine squares of life. So when you create your vision board, you create it in a specific sequence where like the center of it is you, and then your money goes in like the left corner. So there's like a certain way that you build your vision board that is supposed to amplify it. And, you know, I can't say because it's magic, it's energy and all of that. All I can say is that it sure did work for me. <laughs> yeah, apparently. And that's, that's super awesome. And I'm curious too, like, you know, as, as someone who, who's worked with Tony Robbins, you know, you, you dive deep into personal development, professional development, you have these vision boards. And obviously, you, you pride yourself on networking and, and relationships. Um, you know, so me, me and my uh, wife were talking about the other day, like, and obviously, you want to treat people amazing no matter what. Um, but I guess uh, the question is, how do you navigate a A-list relationship versus a, uh, a person um, who you met um, who works at a, let's just say, a, a grocer at a grocery store, I mean, a, a bag person at a grocery store? So, um, so my question is, yeah, so how do you navigate each of those relationships, essentially? The same. The exact same? The same. Because I believe in the one philosophy. Where everyone, um, if you treat everyone as if they are the one, that is the shift for you, then um, it just brings abundance in all levels. I mean, there's been so many examples of like the one, like my Uber driver, as I'm going to the airport one time in San Diego, picks me up at the airport. We're having a conversation. I'm like, oh, I just wrote a book. I hand him a copy of my book. He calls me on the phone a couple of weeks later with his brother, who's like a multimillionaire and has all these businesses and wants to talk to me about his YouTube channel. So it's like McDonald's person or whatever. It's all about your energy that you put out. Mm -hmm. And it really is like, you don't know where someone's at in their life. You know, I had times where I had to stay in a um, domestic violence shelter and I was homeless, but that didn't change who I was in that moment you know, there was still power within or connections within. And that was a temporary moment in my life. But, you know, there's no difference. It's really if the energy that you put out is the energy that's reflected back. So if you change your energy based on your perception or their judgment of who someone is, um, it's not going to reflect back well on you. Well, because they say, you know, we're all there's always different versions of us, you know, that we wear masks, like you're going to act differently around your parents and you are your best friend of 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, you're not going to say, woo, let's take some shots with your parents. Like you probably won't <laughs> act like that. And, and so I guess, you know, and obviously I, I agree that you always want to be genuine and treat everyone amazing, no matter what. Do you feel like you should put on some kind of mask um, with an A-lister versus someone else? In order to feel like you can be at their level or to, if you, if you value that relationship, I should say that you should act a little differently, have little tweaks here and there. I'm curious your thoughts on that. 
Um, I think that it's the discernment of like what's appropriate. Yes, <laughs> you know? of course. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not gonna like run up and like smack Tony a high five and be like, yo, yo, what's up? You want a can of beer, bro? Like yeah. that's that's yeah. not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, then there's the side of it of like, you know, respecting someone for the space that they're in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, expectations of someone else play a part in that about what's socially appropriate, but it's also, um, staying true to you. You know, people are like, oh, you wear sparkle shirts and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, that's me. Or, you know, I have people say like, oh, your, your, um, glitter is inappropriate at your age. And I'm like, well, what age is it not appropriate? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it's just other people's stuff. So I think I, I kind of move through life, like with kindness first, like I always leave, lead with love and kindness. Um, even when people aren't love and kinding kindness back to me in that way, because I understand that, you know, people's perceptions are coming from their own filters of where they are in their life. But for me, I always just try to be me. Like if I'm a little bit crazy, I'm a little bit creative, um, a little bit extra sparkly. Um, (laughs) that's just me, you know? And so whether I'm, you know, in a room with a million millionaires or if i'm hanging out at my 7-eleven and checking out with my slurpee um it's still the same me i love that i love that so just yeah that makes sense just like discerning the situation respect making sure respect people in in their environment while also not apologizing for being yourself with the thin reason of course (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i love that Well, well awesome uh i have a few questions left here as we wrap up one of the questions is, what do you believe are the non-negotiable actions of a successful entrepreneur? Non-negotiable. That kind of ties into what we were just saying. It's like staying true to you. So many times, you know, in business opportunities and different things will come up and it'll be like, oh, that would be amazing. Um, but you know, and you're knowing whether it's true to you or not. So sometimes, and usually every time that you say yes to something that you know wasn't your right, it ends up not coming out great. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that's really a non-negotiable of just trusting, learning to trust your inner knowing of what's right for you um, without persuasion. You know, if it doesn't feel right, then it's not. Let it go. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, keep moving on because then you're closing the door for what is right for you. And that applies pretty much to business, but, you know, relationships and pretty much everything in life. If you just keep hanging on to something that you know isn't right. Or for, yeah. trying to force it. If you're trying to force it, then it's not the right thing. Yeah, you, using your intuition, trusting your intuition, and um, recognize the importance of that. And then, what about what are things everyone should invest in, um, such as coaching tools, resources, in order to become a full-time entrepreneur? <laughs> I think that it's really investing in you. Um, a lot of times, people will say, "I don't have the money," or a lot of times I'll hear entrepreneurs will come in and be like, oh, well, I will uh, take a break when I have a million dollars in the bank, or I will take care of myself when this happens. Um, myself included um, in the burnout rat race of like, do, do, launch, launch, this, that, you know, million things, learn everything, sign up for 5,000 courses and not watch any of them, but you yeah. need to get them done, you know, kind of thing. Um, I got burnt out and I ended up getting really sick from that. And it was a lesson learned about really just letting go and, you know, learning to say no, um, in that respect and following, um, following your guides on that. I love that. 
And then, and this could be a whole podcast episode, but uh, <laughs> I definitely wanted to ask this question as well is um, how do you balance? <laughs> oh, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, how do you balance being a successful um, entrepreneur with having kids? Yeah. So that's a good one, <laughs> especially yes. for me. Um, mm. I openly talk about it. Both of my boys are on the autism spectrum. Wow. Um, mm. So they do require a little bit more care. Um, in that they have a lot of therapies and groups and different things. So when I say time, um, is of the essence for me. Um, what I learned when I became a mom and then I became a single widow later on in my life is that I really needed to focus down. So it was about, you know, the discernment of when to say no and following what was true for me. And then it's also, which is a newer skill that I am loving so much is that giving myself permission to say, hey, you know what? Things changed and I need a break or I'm at this point and I need to pause. And so I never allowed myself a pause before. And I found that when I did and I started pausing, like, you know what? I had all these grand plans to do this and that and everything else. Um, I'm not going to put the gas. It doesn't feel right to put the gas to the floor right now. Um, it's going to stress me out. It's going to take away from my family time with my kids much because my kids' time is a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. You know, they have at least one day a week where it is just totally me and totally fun. We live in Orlando, so that yeah. makes it super easy. And, you know, when I look at things like that, it's like, where's my time for me? And where am I scheduling that in? And that schedule is non-negotiable. Like before I do an event, I have a whole day before. And I have two whole days after that there's nothing on my calendar because mm -hmm. that's what I need to recharge for my personality. I need that quiet time. And, you know, your self-care isn't like, oh, a bubble bath and a manicure. There's so many different ways that are for self-care. And I think that as entrepreneurs, it's like so pushed of like power through it, get it done. And I love Tony, but you know what? He works like 22 hours a day straight, you know, yeah. power through, mm -hmm. get it done is challenging for most people. And so there's a different way. And that's to really make pausing non-negotiable. Um, it's actually really interesting. So I am trained as a transformational breathwork facilitator. Mm -hmm. And I was just writing this um, copy as a presentation explaining what is transformational breathwork. And when I was doing the research, I found that when you do transformational breathwork, it brings you into this state of theta. And it's that point where, you know, when you first wake up and you have like that little groggy, like I'm awake, but I'm still like dreaming. And then as you're falling asleep, so two times a day, you naturally go into this state. When you do breathwork, you actually bring yourself into that state by the mm. pattern of breathing that we do. So as I was learning about that some more and the science of it so that I can explain to my clients why I love breathwork so much. I found that Einstein actually induced this state. So, you know, you may know, like he took naps, right? Yeah. Like everyone talks about Einstein taking naps, but he used to take naps where he would sit in a chair and he would hold ball bearings in his hand, metal ball bearings, and he would put two pans underneath his hands. And when he fell asleep, the ball bearings would fall out of his hands, hit the pans, make a noise and wake him up. And hmm. he said that's when he had his best ideas because he was invoking the state of calm 
yeah. and pause. So he was taking a pause from trying to figure out this math problem. I can't get it or this science thing or anything. And he would get all like, ah, you know, and as an entrepreneur that comes up so many times in our lives with that. So he figured out a way to bring himself into that state. And he said he would do this because that's when his best ideas came was from the state of pause and calm. I love that. I love that. It's just the importance of finding your theta and just like, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, fishing, you're not going to find fish by just like, what's we're like swimming around trying to crash at a fish you have no. to be <laughs> completely calm and just like, let the fish come up to you and like, and your idea coming to you and just grabbing it. And so, um, and people forget that like sometimes the best ideas and the best productivity is just working in the state of calm. So I, I love that. Yeah. Allowing yourself to pause, just step away and pause and you need that. It, it It's what, you know, fuels your energy instead of running on empty all the time. Yeah. Well, awesome. We have two questions left. Um, and, and thank you so much for coming on today, Jessica, and sharing your wonderful of wisdom course. and your passion and your kindness and your care. I just love how it radiates from you and you got your sparkly dress to back it all up. Um, <laughs> how can people best get a hold of you and contact you and reach out to you if they want to learn more or connect with you? Oh yeah, super easy. It's my name, jessicabrace.com um, on my website, or you can visit me on my Facebook group, which is Rewired to Rise. All right. Yeah. Check her out, jessicabrace.com. And the final question is uh, for people listening in today, what's the one takeaway you want them to have from this interview? I think the one takeaway is no matter what or how big or how crazy your vision seems, it's totally possible. Just keep focusing on it. Just keep focusing. Forget the how. Take care of yourself. Self-care. Take a pause. Take a break. But keep holding on to that vision. If you feel it right here and it keeps nudging at you again and again and again, then that's the one for you. Love it. Jessica Brace, everyone. Thank you again for coming on today. We'll see you all next time for the next episode of Rapid Results and uh, keep uh, living the life you deserve. Take care, everyone. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.